our deepest fears that we are powerful beyond measure. I will live every day as if there were a microphone tucked under my tongue. It's great to get in the game, but don't get in the game until you understand the rules till you're an insider. Your life changes when you begin having a different conversation in your head. What we need to do in radically deep problems is propose radically visionary solutions. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Greetings, everyone. My name is Julie Masters, and you are listening to another episode of Inside Influence, in which I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers or experts in influence to get to the bottom of what it really takes to own your voice and then amplify it to drive an industry, a conversation, a movement or a nation. Now, as the Inside Influence team and I take a short break to refuel our collective batteries over summer or winter, depending on where you are in the world, we've got you covered. For the month of August, we will be releasing a weekly power cut of our favorite and your favorite podcast episodes. These will be a short powerhouse version containing some of our favorite moments and our favorite guests from the podcast, all to keep you fueled and showing up at the next level. Our first power cut is with Coel Simpson. Coel is one of the most highly regarded horse whisperers on the planet. A world-renowned coach and leader of the Equus coaching movement, her work has been featured in O Magazine, BBC Business Report, The National Journal and The Own Network. She's also a TEDx speaker as well as appearing on stages all across the world. The Coel Institute works with individuals and Fortune 500 organizations to create transformational leadership experiences, all by using the lens of her journey as a horse whisperer to decode the silent language of authority. Why silent? Well, when it comes to building trust with a wild horse, all the best sales or leadership language in the world isn't going to help. Charm and charisma don't work, and raising your voice generally has the opposite effect. Horses are listening to one thing and one thing alone, your presence, your ability to show up fully and yet with calm intent, your ability to wait and hold space, and yet still instill trust that you will lead the charge when it counts. Get it wrong, panic, overcompensate, and you may well meet the wrong end of 1,000 pounds of sheer muscle and instant feedback. Which is why when I first came across Coel all those years ago, and she's been on the podcast twice to date, when I first started diving into her world and the world of horse whispering, I knew that I had to know more. Today's Power Cut episode touches on topics such as dealing with transformational tension, how to honor the space of becoming and all the triggers and instinctive responses that that brings before you're actually there. The importance of cultivating our capacity for empathy and how to stay curious and notice when we're activated, when our emotions are triggered and then choose a response that's in alignment with the person or the leader that we wish to become. If you enjoy this Power Cut episode and would like to hear my full conversation with Coel, please head over to my website, juliemasters.com. I think it's episode 124. Or just go wherever you get your usual podcast fix. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy my Power Cut conversation with Coel Simpson. The thing that's, that's, I think, really needed is for each of us to cultivate our capacity for empathy right now. 
for empathy and curiosity and to allow, you know, you're, you're going back to your example of your friend who, when you got really angry and you were, you know, in the expression of deep passion and standing your, you know, communicating your stance. Um, for him to have stayed engaged, to not just flee the situation, to stay there, to stay curious, to feel you, to see you, to want to empathize with you. It is a, it is a conscious choice. Once we start to move through our very sort of knee-jerk trauma responses, and then when we have one or two safe relationships in our environment and we, we feel like, okay, at least somebody gets us and we can, you know, feel some level of safety from there, we have to make a conscious choice to choose connection over being right, you know, and that's about developing our capacity for empathy and our curiosity to want to understand each other. Right now, because so many people have felt unheard um, on varying different levels, the conversation is about who's right. You know, let me tell you and let me discuss about which is the right perspective that we should have here. And I, I hear that more as just that need to really get a lot of repressed anger um, out, you know, get it off our chest and find a way to be expressed and that deep need to be seen, to be understood. But it takes, it takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of courage to say, you know, I'm not going to focus so much on being right I'm going to make a real choice to choose connection and see what's actually needed here for us to, to get a little bit closer to each other and to feel safe enough doing it. And what do we need to cultivate that environment of safety so that we can begin to restore and repair trust with one another? It's a, it's a quote that somebody gave me once. And it's one of those quotes that, that you know is true, but that you hate hearing and that, you know, every time you say it again in your head, you, you hate it just equally as you did the first time you heard it. And that is, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? And you're right. It's a choice. It's a choice in every, in every interaction, in every moment, regardless of the closeness of the relationship from your life partner to your family, to a colleague at work, to the world at large, you know, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be in relationship? And if you want to be in relationship, what kind of relationship do you want to be in? And what does that container look like? And what would you need to hold for that to be true? And that takes an, an, a level of choice and responsibility that is really hard. That is really hard because quite frankly, I love being right. It's, it feels really good because I'm wrong often enough. So in those, in those moments where I know that I'm right, I, it feels great. And to let that go takes a deep, deep commitment to what you want to create. Yeah. I want to offer that it might just be kind of shifting our lens of perspective into recognizing that 
we get to have our own experience. Now, so coming back to the animal world again, if you take the experience of an elephant, so much of their life is based on scent, scent and vibration. And their experience of the world around them in their perspective is going to be completely different than the fish eagle. You know, the fish eagle that's flying over the savannas and the bushveld and seeing a very different vantage point and its sense of smell is going to be quite different from the elephant. Right. And so we each get to have our own experiences, our own, you know, life journey that has informed us and provided us with a unique experience. Um, I'm thinking of a conversation I had with someone a few weeks ago. We were sitting down to dinner and they started asking me some questions about a, you know, a project I was working on and developing some curriculum for supporting people that had been through trauma. And this was a, someone who made a comment to me and they said, um, oh, you know, I'm so glad you're doing that because, because then people can, can take up their sense of responsibility. And I just sort of, my head just kind of cocked sideways when I heard that. And I was like, oh, that's, a, that's so strange. I, I would have never used that word. And they said to me, oh, what, did I say something you didn't like? And I said, well, you know, I just noticed that I, I really don't resonate with that perspective of, of someone who's been through a lot of trauma, who just needs to suddenly take responsibility for their behaviors. Um, I think I can understand where you're coming from, but it's, it's not, it's not how I relate to the, to, to what I'm doing. And they said, well, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with that? You know, a real sort of combative, conf conflictive, what's wrong with what I said? Um, what's wrong with people learning to grow up and take responsibility for their behaviors? And I just took a minute and thought, okay, you know, we're coming from really different perspectives. So what I later um, came to understand was that this person on the other side of the dinner table had dealt with a challenging relationship where they had invested in this person going through a lot of therapy that wasn't terribly effective. And it was a very frustrating experience um, for them. Uh, and they felt like, you know, they came away with just this feeling of this person just needs to you know, this kid just needs to grow up and, and get, you know, some tough love and then things will get better. And so I thought, okay, I can understand why you feel that way. You know, you don't, you don't have an understanding of the depths of what's going on. And from your perspective, it's just seeing an irresponsible kid who's taking advantage while you're shoveling out lots of money for therapy and it's not working. And so I chose in a way to kind of go towards the fish eagle, so to speak, and see like, what, what in the world is that perspective like for you? Can you tell me why you feel that way? And then hopefully there's some willingness to listen, you know, on the other side to reciprocate that ability to listen, which is 
you know, if, if you can hold some curiosity, <laughs> we used to think in the, in the medical field, we used to think that the way that you heal people is to cut them open and just let them bleed. You know, if we could bleed them out, then eventually they're going to get better, right? We've learned a lot about health. We've learned a lot in medicine. Well, the same is happening in the world of therapy right now and in the field of psychology. We are learning so much about the ripple effects of trauma and how to work with it in more effective ways. And so you know, I began to share a little bit of that research and understanding of how it impacts our brains, how it impacts our behaviors, and some of those core pieces that we need to be able to restore our capacity for healing and transform some of these events that have happened in our lives. So, you know, all of this full circle to, we could have taken a stance of, I know better, I'm right. And each of us has had a history and an experience and, you know, firsthand experience that would have justified that feeling and that stance of I'm right. But if we kind of just allow ourselves to both acknowledge and get to have ownership over our experiences and stay curious, we can find the points where we can connect. There's something in there around the word curiosity for me because, and it links back to what you said before about being activated, that just beautiful word, being activated. When we are activated, when we, when we tune into what happens when we get activated, what does my body do? What does, what does my voice do? What do I immediately want to say when I'm activated? And when you start, but when you start to feel that kick in, what happens is our curiosity leaves the building. Like as soon as you're activated, you're curious, like the frontal part of your brain shuts down, the primitive part kicks in. The primitive part of your brain is not curious. The primitive part of your brain is fight, flight, freeze. So is there, it feels like a big part of this is the ability to be able to notice when we are activated, either take a step back or take a moment back away until we can reactivate our curiosity and then come back in. Now, if you can do that in the moment, fantastic. If you need a walk, great. You need 24 hours, great. But to learn to be able to back off when that activation starts, as soon as we cease to be curious, okay, whoa, whoa this, is, this is my cue that there's a better way for me to do this and I'm not going to show up the way that I hope to show up right now. I'm so glad that you brought that up. It's spot on. And we, the way that our nervous systems work, um, it just sort of really hijacks our conscious verbal ability to stay engaged and, you know, communicate maybe in the ways that we would wish to when we're more calm. Um, when our bodies become activated and we feel some sense of threat, we start moving in a way uh, on an autopilot uh, where we're just trying to cope with and deal with the threat. So the most important thing is to keep asking ourselves the question, you know, noticing the signs and signals when we do feel activated and asking ourselves the question, what do we need to feel a sense of safety in this moment? Because enabling us to realize that we're either, we need to change up the environment and we need to go outside or we feel connected to nature or we need to squeeze our 
partner's hand or our friend's hand and know that we have somebody that's on our side, um, you know, or we need to hear the sounds of the birds singing outside and, and just know that there's a whole nother world that's happening that's bigger than our own. Whatever it is that enables us to start to feel a sense of safety, our nervous system can then downregulate back into that parasympathetic rest and digest function. And when we're in that place, then we have access to curiosity. Now, but you're spot on that when, when we're not, it's just, it's just not even in the building. It's just not there. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have seized hold of at least one tool, idea, or mindset that will help you start raising your own level of influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your journey or would just love a roadmap to becoming the most influential voice, idea, or brand in your space, then I have good news. You can now download the latest updated version of my ebook, The Influencer Code, from my website, juliemasters.com. Also, there's a link in the show notes. Just pop in your email address, and I promise I will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in my now 20-plus years of doing this work, not to mention the seven areas and seven core questions that I have found to be hands-down the most valuable when it comes to immediately lifting your ability to make an impact. Download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope it makes a massive difference in both your career and your business. Thank you always to my co-founder and the main brain behind this podcast, Lauren Kelly. You kick my butt in all the right ways. Thank you for making it happen. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode.